Hello, everyone, and welcome to CPPR's podcast series, Policy Beyond Politics. I am Purvaja Modak, Research Fellow for International Relations Geoeconomics at CPPR. In these podcasts, we will be discussing new and crucial developments in the field of international relations, law, geoeconomics, and global governance, and we'll hear interesting insights from our in-house and external research scholars. Today, I have with me Ambassador Gurjeet Singh. He is a former Indian diplomat with 37 years of experience. He has been the ambassador of India to Germany, Indonesia, the ASEAN, Ethiopia, and the African Union, and has also served in Japan, Sri Lanka, Kenya, and Italy on assignment. He was the Sherpa for the first two India-Africa summits as well. He has written books on India's relations with Japan, Indonesia, Ethiopia, and Germany. He is an honorary professor of humanities at the Indian Institute of Technology, Indore, IIT Indore. He also chairs the CII Business Task Force on Trilateral Cooperation in Africa. Welcome to this podcast, Ambassador Gurjeet Singh. So Ambassador Singh, strategic vaccine diplomacy is the topic of discussion and debate all around the world in current times. China's efforts to supply its unapproved vaccines to the world, the U.S. pledge to supply new doses to the developing world, deals with vaccine developers to manufacture vaccines in other countries. All these are global and somewhat desperate attempts to contain the COVID-19 pandemic that has gripped the world for nearly a year and a half now. The U.S. and some European countries that have historically been the first movers during any health emergency financial crisis or environmental crisis, chose to adopt nationalist policies this time over. They chose to vaccinate their own citizens before sharing vaccines with countries in need. In some cases, geopolitical objectives and self-interest took precedence over an international coordinated response to the pandemic. India was at the forefront of global vaccine rollouts, particularly for Asia, until the second wave hit and India could no longer meet its global demand for vaccines had to halt exports and donations of its vaccines. Has this tampered India's global image as a responsible COVID response leader? Has this worked to China's advantage, particularly when we talk about supplying vaccines to countries in India's neighborhood? Over to you, Ambassador Singh. Thank you. It is really a strange world we live in. In the traditional way of describing strategic power elements, who had ever thought that vaccine and efforts to alleviate a pandemic would ever be considered strategic or aspects of a country's power projection. So this is indeed different. This is because of the depth and spread of the pandemic. This is not like SARS, which had a limited role, or say Ebola, which is really terrible but it's confined to a few countries or even say yellow fever or polio. This is unprecedented. Now, when you do not have the wherewithal to deal with the pandemic concentrated in any one or few places, the strategic role becomes evident because now countries start using their capabilities to choose friends and partners. Now, when you see that the Western countries who normally led the alleviation of uh, endemic issues like 
let's say SARS or even uh, uh, Ebola or other, you know, the cooperation with India was always there because India was always the largest manufacturer of vaccines. But this was never considered strategic. It was considered a you know, philanthropic deal that you put in the money, you source the vaccines from India. I mean, this is how meningitis in West Africa was actually conquered. Does anybody say that either that or even the more better known you know, uh, counter to HIV AIDS in Africa through large amount of Indian ARV medicine. Nobody ever considered that a strategic or a power element. So today, this has become so because the traditional leaders are themselves scurrying around to fulfill requirements of their own populations. I mean, who expected that Europe or America would be hit so vastly by a disease which normally is supposed to afflict developing countries. So this has changed the nature of uh, the strategic dimension of the unfortunate pandemic. Now, you ask, did it enhance China's stature? No, I doubt it. Yes, China did step forward and give a small amount of vaccines to many places, but then questions started arising at the cost, the efficacy and other things. On the Indian side, I think we stepped up pretty quickly. Before the vaccine, we had medicines, you know, which were then considered uh, effective, but today are not in the protocol. And these were distributed widely. But when it came to the vaccine, I think India initially used it effectively to reach out to the world. Now, I want you to understand that's up to May 2021, India has contributed over half a million doses to the world. 107 million doses in bilateral grants, 357 million doses commercially, and 198 million doses under OVAX. Now, this is huge. But then, and, and let's be honest, this raised India's profile tremendously. Now, whether they were going under COVAX or they were going under some third country donation or India was giving it directly or commercially, they were coming to a country and elevating the problem and raising hope among people. The source was India. The route could be anything. I think it led to a great enhancement of India's stage. Of course, this then came to a halt when the second wave hit India hard. And we did precisely what every other country was doing. First, protect your own citizens. Yes, that led to certain amount of uh, issues. But I guess people realize that you can only send out which is extra. And you need to augment your capacity to do that. Thank you, Ambassador Singh. So uh, continuing on India's uh, efforts to... Uh you know, uh, fight the global pandemic. So um, in October 2020, at the WTO's TRIPS Council meeting, India, along with South Africa, sought a waiver for broad access to vaccine technologies. This waiver will allow countries to scale up local production and ensure effective access to vaccines. Countries like India, which is, of course, known as the pharmacy of the world, can use its manufacturing capabilities 
expand production with Western partners in tow and increase accessibility to these vaccines. The United States has said that it is in favor of suspending the intellectual property rights on these vaccines, but it has not indicated how far it is willing to go to do so. All the G7 countries other than the United States have taken a rigid stance against the proposal for the waiver. Do you think that this proposal will see the light of the day anytime soon? What could be the possible hindrances and what must India and South Africa do to garner international support to push their proposal? Thank you. So my uh, frank answer to you is no, I don't expect it to succeed. So let's analyze this. In October 2020, India and South Africa jointly sought a waiver limited to the period of the pandemic for broader access to vaccine technologies by suspending TRIPS application. Why India and South Africa? Other than BRICS, if you look at India and South Africa, there's not much that we do internationally together. So why here? It is here because India and South Africa had a very viable partnership, which actually allowed uh, the control over HIV AIDS in Africa, largely in South Africa itself. So we had that experience of working together on a health issue, and that is what brought us together. Secondly, both of us had a voice in the WTO, which we were willing to put together. And we've had the experience of the you know, trade talks, that international trade talk where India and South Africa, along with few friends, have tried to do things together. But South Africa really has no manufacturing capacity of vaccines. So is it for them just simply an issue of accessibility that they are trying to do? And let's not forget that the, when they took the vaccine from India, they found it was not effective and they stopped using it in South Africa. So there are many contradictions, but yet we went to trips together. In trips, the Europeans and the Americans are India's traditional rivals. Now, however much India may work with the G7, work with the Quad, work with the EU, ultimately in battleground WTO, our interests remain contradictory. All the things that India stood for remain contradictory, even if you, in your rhythm, in your joint statements in G7 or India, you paper them over, the reality in WTO portals is that you are on the other side. Now, here, the Americans and the EU are also on different sides. Initially, they were all opposing. But as you said, then the Americans came on board after India directly spoke to them. So that was a result of the growing India-US relationship. But the Europeans say that the Americans are playing to the gallery. Because it's very well to say, okay, I agree to trips, but the Americans are hardly engaged with the WTO at all. In fact, that's a wider issue. You know, the return of America to the WTO play a role and uh, play an active role. All that is missing. So America has larger interests in the WTO than this. And perhaps they cynically thought that, okay, it is good for the Indo-US relationship. So let's say, yes. Let India and the EU fight it over, we will see. EU countries also say 
that the EU has exported much more vaccine than the Americans. So this has finally led in the last month or so America finally exporting its vaccine stocks, which they were holding on, which earlier did not happen. Third, the European Union is trying to protect the companies in Europe who actually produce the vaccine. So here also it's easy to say the Europeans are standing together, but frankly, it is Germany, Switzerland, and Netherlands which actually have vaccine production capability, Germany its own, and I think Switzerland and Netherlands are actually like India producing somebody's vaccine. But for instance, France, you know, uh, uh, their companies have not been able to produce the vaccine. In other uh, countries of Europe also, their companies did not succeed with the vaccine. So it boils down to the three countries saying, I want to protect my position. And this is the EU position in general. So let's all stick with it. So what has happened is that in May 2020, countries like France and other EU countries said the vaccine was a global uh, good and a global property. But a year later, they are opposing the TRIPS waiver to make it globally available. So this contradiction in WTO remains. Next, what do you think India should do? Now, I think India should continue this fight because it is an interesting fight and it will help us to garner support in the wider battles of death. But even if you got the transfer of technology, which we are seeking, you know, that is not enough to produce a vaccine. A vaccine has almost 300 components. So therefore, we are now asking that not only the vaccine, but, you know, ancillary and stuff like that. And you also know that uh, in India, the vaccine production was hit when the Americans stopped exporting certain things like glass vials and you know, stuff like that, which is not vaccine, but that's what the vaccine is contained. So there are 300 different components. How many battles will you fight for that? So it is better to have a cooperative approach, but I'm not saying this only for India. It also goes to the European countries and the Americans. So already the, there is a the quad vaccine initiative under which the Americans will provide the technology, the Japanese will fund it, India will produce it, and Australia will help in its distribution. Now, what are we going to do about this? So the answer perhaps is, can Germany and India have a similar initiative? I'll leave it there for you. Thank you, Ambassador Singh. This is definitely something for uh, everyone to reflect on. To more solutions and, you know, uh, bring coming back to uh, bringing life back to normal after uh, the pandemic somewhat ends. So, uh, as you know, countries are now deciding to reopen their borders and uh, some of them seem to have a hold on the pandemic. So there is a global discussion now on introducing vaccine passports to allow smooth travel across borders once again. On one hand, the EU has uh, introduced a green pass mechanism or an EU digital COVID certificate that will allow citizens of EU countries to travel freely within the region. However, it does not allow the same freedom to citizens of non-European countries. So what are your thoughts on vaccine passports for intercontinental travel? And how will this impact India, which has uh, a lot of uh, you know business contacts with European countries and other countries of the world as well. In June 2021, at the, at the G7 health minister's meeting, 
India opposed this concept of a vaccine passport. And, you know, even WTO does not approve such a passport. But they say this will lead to discrimination. Already, there is uneven distribution of vaccines and you will accentuate it by blocking the travel of people who are not so this is not something that anybody accepts. In the case of yellow fever, there is a, actually a card which the WHO authorized. So I believe any solution of a vaccine passport must be based on WHO norms. Now where the European medical agency is concerned, I think they are well within their rights to you know, allow their own citizens to move within the visa-free EU region. That's, I have no problem with that. Except that they do not uh, cover all the vaccines approved by WHO. They only cover the vaccines which are approved in Europe. So that is limited to Europe. Up to that point, I have no issue. But when you extend that same to other countries who are not in Europe, then, you know, this is discrimination. Because, for instance, the same thing, India says, okay, if you have not used Covishield, I'm not letting you. So my two vaccines are Covishield and Covaxin. If you don't have it, too bad, you that's not the way to do it. You have to say anybody vaccinated by a WHO approved vaccine should be free to travel. So I think that is where EMA perhaps was uh, moving too far. They should have explained their procedures better. And I do not think Indian companies need to apply to EMA for approval. We should await a WHO-led process. So Ambassador Singh, uh, the COVAX initiative, uh, as you know, is a global platform that supports research, development, and manufacturing of a wide range of COVID-19 vaccines. It helps negotiate their pricing, and it ensures equitable access to vaccines around the world for all participating countries. And at the moment, uh, 92 countries, which is a good number, are eligible to make um, advanced market commitment to the COVAX to provide vaccines at low cost or absolutely no cost. The WHO has announced that it has secured commitments from countries for 2 billion doses by the end of 2021 under the COVAX facility. But despite this, WHO Director General Tedros Ghebreyesus said recently, and I quote, we are on the brink of catastrophic moral failure in equity. High-income countries have pre-ordered over 12 billion doses, and many countries have ordered many times more doses of vaccines than justified by their populations. Upper-middle-income countries have also joined this pre-ordering frenzy. And as one might predict, LMICs are not highly represented among pre-orders. So how would you assess the COVAX initiative so far? Do you think that this will be successful in meeting its objectives mainly in bringing equitable access to vaccines around the world? Well, the COVAX was meant to do that. And uh, through the advanced market commitment, uh, richer countries were actually supposed to provide funding, which would go to vaccine-producing companies as advanced payments, so that they could get into the production mode and provide vaccines. These vaccines, in turn, as you said, would go to 92 countries. They were not meant to cover all the population of 92 countries, but cover at least 20% of their people, including vital segments like the medical staff and the frontline workers and things like that. That would be a great uh, thing. But as Dr. Tedros, Director General WHO has said, I mean, this has worked in the breach because many countries are holding vaccine rather than letting it go into areas. And... Uh, uh, 
तो डब्ल्यू एच ओ ट्रीज start contributing to covax so i think now you see that the us is releasing some of its stocks putting some into covax some directly into countries so you see it is no more simply a pandemic it's a strategic issue if it was only a pandemic you know people would have just contributed the vaccine and say okay you distribute but today there is a strategic element to it that you make friend or enemy so today countries also want to use it as a favor so they keep some part of it to use as a favor and some to give to covax that part has been small hopefully as production picks up the covax part will grow uh, thank you ambassador singh uh, you know this optimism uh, is really appreciated and i'm sure that uh, as things settle in many countries uh, vaccines will be available for other countries uh, some of which have not even uh, been able to vaccine uh, vaccinate a very small part of their population so uh, with the hope that we will see the end of this pandemic soon and all the issues that we've just discussed will hopefully become non issues i'd like to thank ambassador gurjeet singh for uh, sharing his views with uh, cppr we look forward to hosting you again soon for yet another engaging discussion on your areas of expertise thank you to all our listeners for joining us you can listen to all our podcasts on our social media accounts just type hashtag policy beyond politics podcast For more research and content from CPPR, do log in to our website www.cppr.in. Follow our work on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and subscribe to our updates on Telegram. Thank you, and we will be back again soon with many more interesting discussions with eminent scholars. Goodbye.